Hello, welcome back to Dorn Podcast. This is episode 98, and today we're going to finish up the Gospel of Matthew. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Last week, we covered the transfiguration. And this week, we're going to be talking about the very end of Matthew, which is the Great Commission. Yeah, this is a passage um, we wanted to finish with because, one, it's the end of Matthew, mm-hmm. so it makes sense naturally to finish there. But also because um, it's just a passage Casey and I really love, and we think it's a great um, way to kind of send us on mission as we finish out this story of Matthew. So, Casey, what has happened between where we left off with the Transfiguration and now where we're picking up? A whole lot. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff that happens. Um, Jesus heals more people. He continues teaching this idea of an upside down kingdom. And a lot of times he does it through parables, mm-hmm. which might be kind of frustrating sometimes because it's like, Jesus, just say what you mean, you know. But um, when I think about it, when I think about how we teach our kids, a lot of times we'll give them kind of these everyday examples for it to make more sense to them. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Mm-hmm. These examples that he's using might not seem so Every day to us because we live in a whole different century. But to them, they were everyday examples that helped it make sense. So he continues teaching this idea of an upside down kingdom. He foretells his death again. We have the triumphal entry. He cleanses the temple. Then we have the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the last supper his arrest, Jesus's arrest and crucifixion, and then the resurrection. And we actually have a whole episode where we read through Jesus's um, arrest and crucifixion and resurrection. It was our Easter episode. It's a beautiful episode. So good. Katie um, saying some songs kind of in between the passages, and it's really good if you haven't listened to it yet. But that leads us to the Great Commission. Yeah, and we were just thinking about this. this. This would be a really cool chance if you were able to listen to a couple episodes back, the breakout that we did at Proclaim Truth Conference, where we kind of walk through what it looks like for us to prepare for these podcasts. This could be a great chance because you might be thinking, well, wait, I want to know more about when Jesus cleansed the temple, or I want to I want to read these chapters, and I want to study these chapters more. This is a great chance for you to grab a friend and say, hey, let's listen to the first, you know, maybe the Sermon on the Mount episodes that Casey and Aaron did, but then let's keep going, and let's continue to have our own conversations about this because just because Casey and I didn't get to do an episode on each one of these things doesn't mean that y'all shouldn't continue to study them and that could be a really cool thing to do with a friend over the summer. Exactly. I think that's a really good idea and I mean we talked in one of the episodes about how when you see those red letters when you see Jesus talking it's really really important stuff Mm -hmm. and a big chunk of the book of Matthew if you have a red letter bible they're red letters because yeah. it's Jesus talking and Jesus teaching us how we should live. So it's really important stuff. So that's not why we're skipping it. We're not skipping it because we don't think it's important. Mm-hmm. It's it's a time thing. So right. yes, we encourage you to go back and study those passages for yourself. Yeah. So we're jumping in, like we said, at the end of Matthew. And I've, I heard this somewhere and I think it's a really good point. Like whatever is the last thing someone's going to say, it's important because it's the last mm-hmm. thing they're saying. Yeah. So this is how Matthew is 
closing out the gospel, but this is not only how Matthew's closing out the gospel, it's also one of the last things that Jesus says, Mm -hmm. right? So if Jesus's last words and Matthew's last words, like we really need to like stop and listen, not just kind of skip it because it's at the end or kind of rush through it, but be like, what did Jesus think was so important that it's how he wanted to leave and send his people? Mm -hmm. And we've been talking all throughout Matthew, how Matthew has this theme of what it means to be a disciple, what it means. That's what he's talking about through the Sermon on the Mount. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Like we talked about, it's not one foot in the world, one foot in. It's mm-hmm. it's your whole life living and, and giving it all for Jesus. And mm-hmm. so he's going to continue with that theme and, and really have this beautiful closing to what it means to be a disciple. And we'll see that as we read through um, this last bit of Matthew 28. I really liked how Sproul described the Great Commission. He said it's a mandate from the King of Kings who possesses all authority on heaven and on earth. And so he says, because this is a mandate from the King of Kings, from Jesus, we are to obey it. Yeah. So it sounds simple, right? But it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. And I was listening to a sermon. Um, well, it wasn't a sermon. It was a talk at a conference, but by David Platt. And he was talking about how before we can understand the importance of the great commission, we really have to understand the important, like understand the gospel. And Mm, that might be like, Oh yeah, we know that. And oftentimes, um, when we're talking on this podcast, we're just assuming everybody understands what the gospel is. But I thought this might be a really good place to kind of just hone in and say, this is what we need to understand before we try to live out this mission. And since it is a commission, it's ascending, it's a telling us what to do. We first have to understand who we are mm-hmm. before we know what we have to do. And so he had a really good way of explaining it. He said, we have to understand that we are saved purely by God's grace and supremely for his glory among the nations. I'll say it again. We are saved purely by God's grace and supremely for his glory among the nations. And he was basically saying that we have to understand that truth, that it's God who saves us, and it's for his glory that he saves us so that we understand what we are to do. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, that's good. I thought that was a good starting place. It's a real good starting place. So let's start at Matthew um, chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So as I think of this, like when we first see, but some doubted, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, they were doubting. Like, Mm -hmm. how could they doubt Jesus? But I'm like, you know what? I mean, maybe they were still in a little bit of shock. You know, I think I probably would be. Um, I think about this kind of weird time that we're living in and this isn't a perfect example but I think about like we've gone out to eat a couple of times since quarantine was lifted and stuff and sometimes I've just sat there and I'm like wait like is this real life like am I dreaming like are we really like are we really out eating again and so (laughs) I have to think that maybe the disciples were kind of thinking that some like they're like is this reality like is this kind of is this really happening Mm. um but then also Sproul posed this good question he said in some translations it's not the word doubted it's Mm -hmm. the word hesitated and he said is there any part of you that hesitates to believe that Jesus is the son Mm. of God and I was like oh it kind of made me stop in my tracks Mm. because I was like no I don't hesitate and then I was like but do I act every day yeah, like Jesus yeah. really is the son of God? Mm. Um, so I thought that was a good question yeah. to kind of ask yourself and kind of a good stopping point. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Hesitate puts a different kind of spin on it where it does. I feel like doubt, sometimes we feel shame over doubt. Right. But hesitate is more just like a pause. Uh-huh, exactly. And question, which yeah. feels a little bit different. So that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I like what you're saying of like, I wouldn't say that I ever hesitate mm-hmm. in the fact that Jesus is the son of God, but do I live that way? Like, do right. I actually trust that he is in control and he, mm-hmm. you know, is for my good? I don't know. I yeah. probably stop and hesitate mm-hmm. on that. Oh, sometimes. yeah. Yeah. I think I do for sure. All right. Verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on, and on earth has been given to me. So I don't think in our generation, I don't think we really like the word authority very much. Ooh. I think it's something we struggle with a little bit. Um, and I think we've seen that very clearly mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. People questioning, well, I don't want to do what the government says mm-hmm. to do, or we need to submit to the government's authority. Mm-hmm. And um, as we go through scripture and look at the attributes of God, because that's something we like to do as we're studying these passages, we like to say, okay, who who is God telling us he is through this passage? Mm-hmm. I kept thinking about in this specific passage, his so- sovereignty, because if you look up the word sovereignty in the Oxford American Dictionary, it actually says as supreme power mm-hmm. or authority ah. so we see that same word mm-hmm. and um it was really funny because just this week we were watching um we really like law and order svu <laughs> and we were watching it if you know me you know i'm a crime junkie so it makes complete sense but we were watching it and um the military were involved on this show and the I don't know a lot about the military, so forgive me if I use wrong terms here. But but whoever was in charge kept saying that the military is sovereign over over this decision, like meaning they had authority mm-hmm. to make the ultimate decision in this instance that they were talking about. And all I could think, because he used this word over and over, and all I could think was, no, God is sovereign. <laughs> like, you idiot, God is sovereign. <laughs> But it made me stop because I was like, do I really live like Mm. he is? Mm -hmm. And the truth is recently, I don't think I have because Jonathan has had to remind me so many times because I'm such a rule follower. So Mm -hmm. I've been, I've fallen into this, like, I need to follow the rules to keep me safe. If we get out of our house, we're going to get coronavirus and Mm -hmm. die. Like I've followed, I've fallen into this belief that like, I need to follow what everybody else is saying. The rules are going to protect me. The rules are going to protect me. sense that's exactly. what they're there for so yeah. we need to be wise we need to be smart in our decision making absolutely we don't need to just be reckless and right. you know but at the same time like Jonathan has had to remind me so many times lately like Casey do you really believe God is mm-hmm. sovereign mm-hmm. you know do you believe that going into the store and washing your hands and you know doing what you need to do like do you believe that he has authority and he will take care of you and if you do get this mm-hmm. like that is a part of his sovereign plan mm-hmm. but he is he's the one with the final say right. not the people telling you what these rules are not mm-hmm. whether you follow the rules or not he is the one in charge mm-hmm. and I'm like okay Okay, but I've really struggled with that lately. And I mean, I believe in God's sovereignty. I really, really do, but I have not lived like Mm. it. So that's been really convicting to me lately. So this this part of the passage where it was like, I have all authority, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, conviction. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I I often, when I read this passage, kind of just like skip over that part really fast Mm -hmm. because I get to like, okay, but what am I supposed to do? Right, right. But we always say like, slow down and Mm -hmm. see what it tells us about God. And at church, we're going through the Gospel of John.
John, and this is a huge theme in the Gospel of John, is Jesus's authority. And that in this passage doesn't really have any weight if we don't understand Jesus's authority. If we're like, oh, you're just a disciple telling us what to do, or you're just a good man, then we lose the whole point of the passage. Read. Seriously. Reads on our show today. (laughs) (laughs) But I I didn't really think about that until recently of just like he has the authority because he is God. So he has the authority to tell us what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening to one of the podcasts I was listening to. I don't remember who it was that said it, but he actually brought up that point. He said, if you don't believe this, like if you don't believe that Jesus truly is the son of God, Jesus is God, then these disciples worshiping him actually would have been heresy. Like, so just the fact alone that these disciples were worshiping Jesus without Jesus, like reprimanding them, like he is the son of God. He is God. Um, So yeah, that's good. Moving on to verses 19 through 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you want to sing that like seeds? Oh, yes. Yes. I learned this. This is one of the very first uh, passages I remember memorizing like Mm -hmm. as a little girl. And so this this has always Mm -hmm. just stood out to me. Well, I think there's so many good things we're going to talk about this, but I think the first thing that I think is important for us to note is that we tend to make the emphasis on the go, right? And so there's a really good sermon we'll link. Um, it's by JT English, and he's talking about how the the command in this passage is not actually go. And the command in this passage is not actually baptize or teach. The command is actually to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And he's very smart and has done all of the studying (laughs) and all of the words and all of the original languages and all of that stuff, language. Um, And so I trust what he's saying, but he's saying we tend to make the emphasis on the go, but actually the emphasis is on making disciples. And another way it could be translated is as you're going, Mm -hmm. as you're teaching, as you're doing these things, make disciples. And so I think that's a good kind of reminder to us that Yes, some of us are called to go to different countries and go in different places. But for us to think about it in our everyday life, that could feel kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do? But he was reminding us that God has us in a certain place in a certain time and that as we're going, we are to make disciples. And so we might be thinking like, well, what what does it actually mean, make disciples? And he talks a lot about that. But one of the things he says, I think um, he describes making disciples as three parts that we are adopted by God, formed by God, and empowered by God for life and mission. And that's kind of what we've seen all throughout Matthew, right? We've seen that God's done the work. He's forming us, and he's empowering us for, for life and mission. And so I thought that was a really good kind of place to start. Yeah, that's good. My study Bible had a really good note. It said, as the explanatory verbs, baptizing and teaching indicate... The process of making disciples includes both evangelism of unbelievers in which they are called to repentance and faith and submission to baptism, the sign of inclusion of the new covenant, and the instruction of believers in a life conformed to Jesus's commandments in response to his saving grace. Yes. So oftentimes we stop at the at the conversion, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we are just worried about the evangelism, but we forget 
that disciple part, like Aaron was saying, make disciples. And I like how Sproul said it. He said, a disciple is a learner that is enrolled in the school of Rabbi Jesus. Mm. And so that made me stop because we skipped over so much of Jesus's teaching. And I was like, oh, no. So (laughs) once again, I'm going to encourage you to go back and be a student enrolled in the school of Rabbi Mm. Jesus, like Mm -hmm. study his words, study what he was teaching and um, how he was teaching us to live. And even Sproul was talking about how he he, he felt like he didn't know all of what, I mean, nobody will ever know, but he said he, he felt like he even still needed to study and learn what Jesus had to say. And he mm-hmm. was very knowledgeable in the Bible, very, very knowledgeable, but Jesus just had so much to teach. And so we need to be a lifelong learner. Um, and then he was also talking about Billy Graham. He said, He read in one of his autobiographies a long, long time ago, one of his earlier ones, that um, something used to keep him up at night. He would stay up at night wondering if who, if anyone, was following up with those that made decisions at Mm. his events Mm. because he realized that the the mandate was to make disciples, Mm. not just make converts. Mm. And that bothered Billy Graham. Like, he realized, like, that it, the follow-up is such an important thing. And I think it's important to remember that the making converts thing, like it's not up to us to convert people right. anyway. And we talk about this often, but we're obedient by sharing the good news of the gospel. That's where we need to be obedient, but it's the Holy Spirit that draws people right. to himself. So if we share the gospel with someone and they don't decide to to accept the good news like that is not our fault we didn't fail we didn't right. fail it is it is the holy spirit's job to draw them mm-hmm. and so i think that's that's an important thing um for us to keep in mind mm-hmm. too yeah i think that's that's a really good so many good points in there it's just i don't think i JT was saying he thinks the biggest like flaw in the church is that we think discipleship ends at conversion, which is exactly what you're saying. And and that if we're taking his definition of that, we're adopted by God, we're formed by God, and we're empowered by God for life and mission. If we think it ends at conversion, then we're only thinking about the adoption. Right. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, think about that in like human terms. Like what if you adopted a child, but then you didn't really include them in your family, take care of them, take care of them, you didn't nourish them. them. Yeah. And then you didn't also send them, you know, in a healthy way on life and mission. And so, I mean, if we think about it like that, it's like, hello, duh. We can't just adopt people into God's family. They have, we have to be formed. And, and one of the things, um, I was thinking about this, Last night, we, um, I've been in a program, a doctrine and theology program for um, nine months, and last night was the final night, and they were talking about how this program, the whole intention of it is discipleship. It's not just for learning, and so like Casey's saying, mm-hmm. like we need to be enrolled in the school of Jesus, and then we need to enroll others. Others, yes. Yeah, and so yes. I think that's one of my favorite things about what it means to be a disciple is that it's not, we're not invited just to learn, but we're also invited to teach, to teach. and yeah. sometimes that feels... Um, if like teaching is maybe not your natural gifting that you can be like, well, I don't want to teach, but it doesn't mean like stand in front of 50 people and teach that. It could mean like, like what Casey and I are doing right now, like with a friend, just Mm -hmm. sit and talk about the Bible or grab someone who's a little bit younger than you or a little bit older than you and just walk with them through scripture and learn, like be enrolled together Mm -hmm. in the school because there is, you know, there is obviously such great truth in growth that happens when it's just you and Jesus. Yes. 
us, but mm-hmm. I truly believe, and Casey believes this also, like there is power in community and God designed us for the local church and that that looks like locking arms with someone else and being like, let's run after Jesus together. Mm-hmm. For sure. I was having that conversation with the girls last night, actually, because we were talking through this a little bit and I was listening to a Matt Chandler sermon on this passage and he asked the question, he said, where is the ground zero of mm. making disciples? Mm. And my first thought automatically went to the local church. Mm -hmm. But then he answered right as I was kind of rethinking this in my head. He said ground zero is actually the home and the church should come alongside and serve the home and, and help the home and, you know, resource the home to, to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking through this with the girls, especially since we've been um, not physically at church. And I was telling them this, I said, you know, mommy and daddy are the ones that, um, have the primary job of teaching you about Jesus and teaching you about the Bible. And, um, but the church is a wonderful thing because they come alongside us and they help us, help us teach you. But also not only that, but when you get to go to church, you get to learn alongside your Mm -hmm. friends and you Mm -hmm. get to talk to your friends about Jesus. And you know, this whole idea of like iron sharpening iron type of thing and doing theology in community Mm -hmm. essentially is what I was talking to my kids about. So that's exactly, I think that's exactly, um, what we should be doing. Um, and I just think, I think we've had a, a good chance in this season to kind of see that, Mm -hmm. to see discipleship happening in the home because we haven't gotten to be at church as much. And it's easy to rely on the church to teach your kids about the Bible. But when you're in a season that you can't go to church, you, you really realize how important it is to, um, be discipling your children at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think that is a really good point. I think one thing too, that I've never really thought about when I've read this before, and I, we talk about this a lot, but I just love how God's word is alive and active. And so we'll learn and glean different things every time we come back to it. And one thing that I really was resonating on reading through it, studying at this time is how it says, baptize them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. And I've, I've never really focused on that word in the name of, Mm -hmm. but as I was studying in, um, just really spending time in this passage, it just kept coming back to that, that idea of being adopted by God means that we, we have a new name, like we have a new identity and we have, um, like we talked about the very beginning of this episode, like we have to know who we are before we are to know what we are to do. And that's what this is saying is that when you're baptized in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, that's your new identity. Mm, identity, And so now you're going to live out of that. You're going to be in the school of Mm, Jesus and mm -hmm. you're going to teach others and you're going to reach others, but only because of who you are, are. you're Mm -hmm. gods. And now you're going to live because of that. That's good. That's good. So, do you want to talk about a little bit how this relates to the cultural mandate? I liked this part. Yeah, I um, was watching this little, uh, it's like a two-minute video. We can link it. It's from Gospel Coalition, and it was by a guy named Greg Beal, and he was he was kind of relating the, the cultural mandate. So in Genesis 1, where G- God is telling the people, like, what what is their point? Basically, what is their purpose? And, and he tells them, you know, to rule and subdue and fill the earth. And we hear fruitful and multiply and we hear all of that. And, and so this has similar echoes and it was intended to, it would have sounded somewhat familiar to the people of, you know, this saying, 
go and make disciples and making disciples is kind of an equivalent to fill the earth Mm -hmm. and be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. And it's not necessarily talking about have more kids, which he wasn't necessarily specifically talking about that in Eden either. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that was part of it because that's how we, but also he was talking about like make disciples, fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply. And so it's the same echo here when we say make disciples and how it talks about, um, to all nations and, and baptizing them and, all that I've commanded you and I will be with you. These are a lot of echoes that would have sounded familiar that people would have recognized from, from hearing back in, in Genesis. And so, um, this, what Greg was saying in the video was that this, this great commission is, um, not the first commission. Yeah. So yeah. another way you could say it is the, co- the first commission was what we were heard in Genesis. And the second one doesn't replace the first mm-hmm. one. Um, but it's, it's kind of a fulfillment. Yeah. And just yeah. like the new covenant with Jesus, it kind of, um, we have a new lens a little mm-hmm. bit to see through mm-hmm. as we look at like, what is it, what are we supposed to do with our lives? Yeah. I liked that a lot. So if you fast forward a little bit to Acts, um, it says Jesus is talking again and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So if we look at this and kind of combine this with the Great Commission, you see how he kind of starts close and works his way out right yeah, like you're talking about like the home the, the home yeah. and then working your way out so let's talk just a little bit about uh, where's that next kind of circle from the home like where would you say after after we focus focus on the home and the local church where should we go from there well I think that's a really good point and um it, there was a time where um this great commission like around the reformation time there was this idea that in order to be faithful to this to this passage, to the Great Commission, and to what we're called to in Acts that Casey just read, there was this idea that it was like only you were only faithful to it if you lived in had in vocational ministry, basically. So if you're a pastor or something like that, then you were really living out what God said. And if you had a normal job, like if you were a farmer or you were anything else, then you weren't as faithful to this passage. And that's just not true, right? Um, no. And we know that now. That was a that was a. I don't know if I want to say that's a heresy, but that was a misunderstanding, misunderstanding a yeah. misapplication of the yeah. text. And, and so like Casey was saying, we know that this, a lot of discipleship begins in the home. And so I think that's just really great news for us that we don't have to all live in vocational ministry and we can't like that wouldn't really be possible. The gospel would not be spread if we were all just, you no. know, and no. so kind of what I think the next, like circle that you're asking might be like your workplace or your Mm -hmm. neighborhood. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you're a stay at home mom, then your neighborhood is your workplace. And so, um, (laughs) those are the first two things that come to mind are, you know, this looks like living out evangelism and discipleship, you know, in the home, but also like where God has you specifically Mm -hmm. with your neighbors, with, at your job, with your coworkers and, um, that's kind of what I think. Yeah, I think that's good. I heard someone say that we're a, a backyard culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of tend to hide in our backyards, mm-hmm. but simply getting out in your front yard, getting into your neighborhood, walking around, talking to people as they're in front. And then I think spreading out beyond your neighborhood, if you look at your city even, mm-hmm. and being intentional about going to um, events that your city holds in, those might be 
few and far between right now, but, (laughs) um, you know, as things get more back to normal, you know, like I know Round Rock has like this big Halloween thing and music on Main and music on Main and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And just simply being present within your city and Mm -hmm. talking to people and um, not staying always with your little circle of friends. You know, it's good to have good, close Christian friends, but kind of getting outside of that and um being a part of your community I think that's so important I think evangelism can happen there and then in turn discipleship um and then if we go past the city and we're looking at the nations as as moms like what do you think that can look like I mean obviously we're not necessarily traveling for weeks at a time to Uganda right now I mean some moms are but Mm -hmm. you and I are not so what does that look like I think uh a lot of times this might look like prayer. Mm-hmm. I think we often I think so skip the power of prayer. We think I need to be there. Like yep. I need to be in the nations in order to be effective. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. I think, you know, like Casey was saying, the Holy Spirit is the one who draws people to himself. And so a lot of times that might just be us calling on the yeah. Holy Spirit to yeah. use the people who are there in those places. I mean, what do you think? I think that's really good. Actually, I think it was Annie Downs. I heard talk about this recently, and this was very interesting to me. She said... If you're single and you, like, have a crush on a guy, like, (laughs) don't spend too much time in prayer for him because that will connect your heart to his. And I was like, that's a really interesting thought, you know? (laughs) She was like, but she was talking, the whole point of it was talking about how prayer connects connects Mm -hmm. you to people Mm -hmm. and I really liked that because I was like you know we can pray for the nations for specific people that we know in Mm -hmm. other parts of the world that are missionaries or we have some friends that are missionaries and we pray that for them specifically about well we have multiple friends that are missionaries and we pray for all their families by name and Mm -hmm. um it does kind of connect your heart it's it's really interesting but then also learning about their cultures you know looking on the map and saying you know where where is the Philippines like it's not just this abstract Mm -hmm. place. Like it's a place on the map. It's right here. Learning about the culture there, learning specifically about the work that other Christians are doing in these countries, um, specific things to pray for. I think, I think you're right as, as people that aren't going right now, I think that's a great way. I think if you have the financial means to support people, um, I think that that's a good way. And of course, if you do, um, have the means to go, then by all means go, you know, Matt Chandler was talking about how they've taken their three kids all over the world, um, to see how people are living in other countries. And, um, it can just be such an, such an impactful thing. Reed has big thoughts about the great commission and I love it. So we're kind of talking about two different things here, right? Like we're talking about evangelism. Well, they're not two separate things, but we kind of categorize them, right? Mm -hmm. Like evangelism. And then we're talking about also like teaching and formation. So we get that first part adopted by God and then we get the formation. And so it seems like that we kind of tend to focus on one more than the other. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we we either, not we like as individuals, but maybe the local church or culture Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. just maybe even as individuals, we tend to focus really heavily on evangelism, reaching people, sending, you know, missionaries and trying to get converts like Billy Graham, like you're saying, like that kind of thing. Or we tend to lean heavily on um, doctrine and, and, and that sort of thing. Like formation is the most important. And so do you either one want to talk about where you lean or do you maybe have a word of like how to balance those two things? So 
I think I tend to lean towards just naturally probably more um it's it's hard to say like I think at one time I leaned more towards the evangelism mm-hmm. side and then in the last few years I've swung more towards the discipleship side so maybe it's side. seasons um I think it's been seasons and I'm just like I like to study knowledge is um something that's very important to me it can mm-hmm. also be my kryptonite mm-hmm. because I I mean that's how Satan got Adam and Eve in the garden right, right. was wanting to be all knowing mm-hmm. and so I struggle with that um but it's something that's very important to me. But I think I have somewhat not arrived and not fully figured it out. But I'm working on this balance. Mm-hmm. And I think it honestly has a lot to do with, like you were saying, how JT said, like, as you're going. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of just living this out in every moment of your life. Mm-hmm. So if you're with your kids and they start asking you about like theology, then, then you go there, you Mm -hmm. talk about theology and you disciple your kids. You have these resources at home, which plug, we're going to do a whole resource episode next Mm -hmm. week. So I'm really excited about it, but you have these resources at home to be actively discipling them. But then it also means being in your neighborhood and showing the people around you that maybe don't know Jesus who Jesus is mm-hmm. by the way you treat them, by the way you treat your family, telling them the good news of the gospel. And that's more of an evangelism part. Mm-hmm. So I think it is really this, this whole idea of as you're going, as you're leading your lead, le- leading, living your life. Um, whereas used to, I think I kind of compartmentalized it mm-hmm. like, okay, this week I'm going to be working at VBS. And so we're going to be focusing on evangelism mm-hmm. or I go, I'm going on this short term mission trip and that's when I'm going to evangelize or during morning time, we're going to do the catechism and that's the discipleship for the day mm-hmm. or whatever, but check I'm, off the box, check off the boxes of discipleship and evangelism. But I really do think it's more of just a every moment mm-hmm. of every day thing, which what do you can think? sound a little overwhelming, but it's almost like, you get into a rhythm. You do. And it's that's hard exactly, at first and then it's easy. It's funny that you use the word overwhelming because as I was preparing for this episode and writing out some resources for next week and stuff, I started thinking, oh gosh, I hope I don't overwhelm people mm-hmm. because on paper it does. It looks very, very overwhelming. But when you do, like Aaron said, when you get into this rhythm and, and you slowly, like you kind of work it in piece by piece. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at what we do now on a daily basis, like I can see how that would be overwhelming, but we kind of added in one yeah, thing at yeah. a time we've made space for different books throughout the day we've made space for intentional time um in our neighborhood like mm-hmm. we didn't overnight say okay we're we're gonna implement right. all this right. at once it's That's been good. a very prayerful thing it's been a very intentional thing it's taken i mean years and like i said we haven't arrived and we never will right um but i think we are starting to figure out more of a balance yeah what do you think about yeah. you personally in in your life I mean, I, I feel like I naturally like you lean more towards the formation. And I, I don't think, I don't think there's a wrong, I mean, obviously you don't want to completely ignore one or the other, but I do think God, you know, he equips his people and it's, he says we are a body and that we, you know, we need each other. Mm -hmm. And so there are going to be people who naturally lean towards one or the other, but I think it's a really good point to be prayerful about like, Lord, where do you want me to grow? Where do you want me to be in this season? But I think kind of like, like you're saying, like, I always thought discipleship was very much like, I'm going to meet with someone once a week at a coffee shop and that will be discipleship. Right, right. And so the Lord has really been, um, 
a lot through the work of the local church, but has been really kind of peeling that back and saying, no, that's just kind of like a Western American idea of yeah. discipleship. But yeah. my that's not what bi- the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say talk about me one hour once a week with someone else. Right, like, exactly. It's very much like you're saying, it yeah. bleeds into every mm-hmm. part of your life. And so we're, we're very similar in the way we... Um, view these things. And so I think it's good for us to kind of every once in a while and anybody listening, like every once in a while, just kind of check and be like, Lord, am I, am I living out one facet of the great commission and completely ignoring another? Cause there was a time where I felt very convicted about that. I mean, I was t- teaching in the local church. I was doing this podcast. Everything I was doing was solely focused on formation. Yeah, and yeah. there was like, there was no part of my life that was spent without believers like and the Lord was like you you're so focused on on doctrine and theology Mm -hmm. and training and that's a beautiful thing but you haven't even said hi to your neighbors in a month like hello you're kind of missing out on something here Mm -hmm. and so I think the Lord if we ask him to he will reveal that to us um and it kind of hurts (laughs) sometimes it does stings a little bit but you know it's all it's all part Mm -hmm. of the refining process and it's good and it's all it's all good but I just thought that Good. was. I like that question. I like it. So let's talk a little bit about verse twenty. I will be with you. I will be with you. Okay. So I I think I said this a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week on the podcast. But this is the truth that for some reason the Lord um, just keeps reminding me of. And it's funny because I don't feel like there's been another season like this in my life where God has highlighted like, what is it? Four words Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And it almost, to be completely honest, makes me a little bit scared. Like what's coming that you're needing to remind me that you're with me. Like, is something big going to happen? And that I shouldn't think like that. So I think like that too. I'm surprised that a seven thinks like that. I'm not usually (laughs) like that. And so, but I think it's really, it's just a beautiful truth. Like it's come up in the class I taught at church. It's become up in just my own study time. It's come up with the girls. And I think that might be why the Lord keeps reminding me of that is because my girls keep needing to hear that just different things like bad dreams Mm -hmm. and worries about things just different things where Mm -hmm. you know you're I get to tell them you're never alone yeah and we talked about it how God promised to Jacob and even with Abraham how he you know he says I'm going to make you a people and I will be with you and and all these different people throughout the Bible and then I love how that's how Jesus ends he says Mm -hmm. and I will be with you and we don't have to try to live out this great commission of our own power because we're not going to be able to but it's no. because he is with us. And in my um, Spurgeon Bible, there's a good note about this. It talks about how, you know, Jesus has been given all authority and it's because of his authority that he's able to tell us this, but not just because of his authority, but also because of his presence. And it tells us that since he has the authority and he gives us his presence, that he can clothe us, his servants with his might by which our hands will be sufficient because of his work and we can live out our calling because of what he has done. And I think that's just such a good way mm-hmm. to think about this. Because like we're saying, it can be overwhelming. It yes. can feel like mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. It can, it can feel like, how am I going to do this? It can become legalistic. It, it can, can be like, yeah. am I evangelizing? Mm-hmm. Am I training? Mm-hmm. Am I discipling faithfully? And and all of that is going to come down to ultimately no, if you're doing it in your own power. But with Jesus's presence, like it's made possible for us to actually do this. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like how you brought up the Old Testament. Testament um, fathers, because my Bible said something similar this 
my study Bible notes said, Jesus was named Emmanuel, God with us, at his birth back in chapter one of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And now he promises to be with his disciples to the end of the age. As the Lord had promised his presence in the to the Old Testament figures such as Jacob and Joshua and to Israel as a whole, he is with them specifically in the responsibility of teaching his will to the world to the Mm -hmm. world so exactly what you're saying like he's with us we don't have to do this on our own power and like we said earlier in the episode like it's not up to us anyway Mm -hmm. who god draws to himself Mm -hmm. so yeah love the great commission i love sweet reed in the background (laughs) singing to us (laughs) so thankful for that little buddy so like i said next week we're going to uh end out this season um, before our break for the summer with a resource episode where we'll talk about some of our favorite resources and maybe give you some good ideas for um, continuing to study the word in the summer. Yes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.